And here they come. Louth, O'Brien, O'Neill, Conlon, White, Coleman, Bean, Riley, Cunningham, O'Donnell, Lynch, McDonnell, Rose, Smith, Blood, and me and... Breaks inside to Stephen White. The one man that can do it, and he's done it! A goal for Louth. Paulo Hanlon, a vital touch. Now he's Stephen White to his right. This must be it! It is! I don't believe it! Kildare must be out of the Leicester at midfield, wearing number eight, the first all-star ever from Louth, would you welcome Paddy Keenan. Arguably the most popular of tonight's winners, Paddy has led from the front for Louth since his championship introduction in 2003. Here's a chance for Rooney! What a goal by JP Rooney! And then it happened. Bean sends in from the sideline and Sean Cunningham finishes it to the net. Louth are in front. And here it is. Now the All-Ireland champions for the third time. Hello. Loud and Proud has gone full quarantine this week. A nostalgia pack podcast. Uh, done through Zoom. I zoomed about at least Nicholas and Padraig again to have them back in the show along with my brother Podge in Australia and we talk about the greatest live performances in recent memory the Loud Kildare 2010 game in Navin nearly 10 years ago we had plenty of fun when visiting the game lost bets, dirty diesel hair raising tails and right inside Fritz's dressing room at half time on the day and we picked which John Dye was the best footballer ever so stop baking, shaving your head pause Tiger King and we'll begin Got the two Butterleys back again after their, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, would you say, um, a nervous debut? They picked the intermediate quarter finalists. I don't think, what did you just get, lads? Did you get two out of, one out of four four games right? I got one. I remember. I, I remember I predicted Cullen to win it anyway, and you just did. Uh-huh. Back. That's what. That's the only reason why you're back, uh, Podrick. That's yes. Podrick. Podrick, you introduce yourself. Yeah, Podrick, Butterley from the Finbars. And then older brother, Nicholas. How's things, yeah, Nicholas here. And then I, first man, a uh, long time listener, first time occupant of the podcast is my little brother, Pudge. Pudge, what? <laughs> I, I, must, I must be the longest listener because I've been listening to you longer than anybody else, I think. <laughs> God, <laughs> you have the Sick list. of listening to you this stage. Honest fuck. Um, you're in Australia, Pudge, I, I suppose, as we all know. How, how are you finding the COVID? Oh, yeah, it's not too bad. It's, it's it's a weird at times like um just i suppose lockdown is uh, we're not and we're not as much in lockdown i suppose as most um because like what job we're in is, is is seen as essential workers so we're still taken away and so is my wife as well so we're kind of still working away it was a bit awkward not being able to see people but they've 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 opened it up a bit we can meet in groups of 10 now at the moment which is Makes it a lot easier, you know. And lads, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the Bortley's gonna give you a quick quiz to start off. So, well, it's nearly like a COVID checklist. Okay, yeah, right, have you done any of the following during this pandemic in quarantine? Have you, uh, have you baked bread or cakes or sourdough? No. No, no negative. Right, you can't bake it out there. Do you shave your head? No, the mother cut the hair though. <laughs> COVID call. Okay, we'll have to one of them. Did you watch Tiger King on Netflix? Oh, no. No, I don't. Half watched it. Me, me better half watched it, so I've seen bits of it. Good Christ. 
<laughs> just do a quiz online. Yes, uh, multiple. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I've done. I do the odd uh, quiz. Yeah. Did Toko do a quiz or anything? No. No. No, we have. Did you say? Um, well, obviously, this is you, you, you can add this one in there. He's done a Zoom call. Oh, I've done Zoom as well. Yeah. Yeah, Zoom, and, Zoom then, and a few games of poker. And then the, the last and not least, uh, did you just lie to get by a checkpoint? Uh, no. Didn't hit a checkpoint. Oh, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. Right, as you know, we're reminiscing and we're going through games because there's nothing else to go through. And what better game to go through? I suppose it's actually it's coming up to nearly a 10-year anniversary. I should have timed around the anniversary, but with Leo saying there's going to be an All-Ireland final to be played, I said I'd get it out of the way now, which is... It's the Larry Kildare 2010 match. It was the, it was probably uh, the, the finest game of my lifetime as a Loud supporter. Uh, would you be on the same opinion? I got you go, Nicholas. You you shoot in for? Yeah, uh, definitely. Like uh, the score in that day was unreal. Um, they just it just clicked, and it kind of came out of nowhere. Like. Like obviously you'd be going and hope the games, but there was no way you would have expected them to play as well as they did that day and having the more savage and fairness from from one to fifteen and all any of the subs to come on it just really clicked. Yeah, for, yeah, I suppose with with that with the game uh being so good for me, I would there wasn't really much expectation going into the game, I felt. Going to Nav and I kind of felt uh I kind of felt after we we played Longford in the first round. That's right, yeah. Below in Port Leash and we were terrible. Now I know it was a really, really it was a baking hot day in May, but um, I didn't think we'd I didn't think we'd be Kildare. McGee, it was Kieran McGinney's Kildare at the time. What do you think, Paul? Uh, myself, is that? Yeah, your 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 pod for this podcast and Pods your Pods. Right, I'm yeah, no, I remember, uh, so going into it, they had to come under the belts, which is a big help, and um, Kildare didn't. Kildare were going in after a long break, so I suppose Laird had got the dirty diesel out of the system against Longford, and Kildare were coming in a bit cold. Uh, and the game was in, game being in Navin definitely helped Laird. Laird, Laird play well in Navin, all, all of us do, and uh, they, they like the pitch there for some reason, even though we... Don't really like mead, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, no, I like quietly optimistic. They they play well against Calair as well. Like they beat them in 07 below in Newbridge when they had that run in the qualifiers. Um, yeah, yeah. Like they don't hold the state the same historic uh, fear as mead and Dublin would in, in to loud. Like loud, loud always kind of they wouldn't fear Calair at all. Um, and even they played them then a couple of years later. Below in Newbridge and Loud, Loud wouldn't have been that good. Clare would have been a good bit better than them, but still put it up to them. So, um, yeah, qu- quietly optimistic. Wouldn't have been screaming from the rooftop saying they're going to win, but quietly optimistic going to the game. Like, you, you can't, the game, them having the game and Clare not having the game, can't underestimate that. Having games is massively important. Like, not. Did you think the same? Get momentum. Sorry? Did you think the same, Nicholas? Yeah, uh, yeah, like Navin was definitely a plus. Uh, um, just that I don't know what it is about Navin, especially when it's good, good weather. To, it just get a real fast game of football, and that would suit suit loud style of play back then because they were an open, free flowing team. And then exactly the record against Kildare, like even going back further, like 
sure, historically, I think it's fairly level in terms of championship games between the two. But like even the games I remember, 91 loud one, 95 loud one, 07 loud one, Claire bet loud in 2000 and 2002, and or Rob both times. I remember in 2000, Claire got a goal in the championship loud after winning Division 2 that year. They were flying, and sure, Claire went on one Leinster that year. Like, that was a real signal that year. And then in 02, I, that was in Navin, and Loud kicked 20 wide. And I, thought, I think I think JP kicked the point that was going over the bar, and the referee blew the whistle or something. You know, so Claire wouldn't have been the same as Dublin or Mead. Um, that you'd always felt that you had a good chance against them no matter what you know um, so like exactly like Podge said you'd be optimistic but you wouldn't be going around telling too many people either like. no um, Podge what do you think you're you're kind of around the panel weren't you that time uh, yeah I suppose I was kind of somewhat involved I think we um, we, we were with the Loud Juniors at the time and then Fitzer had myself Bernard Osborne um the boys didn't know very well and um, Paddy Boyle and and David Bracken were brought in with the senior squad down to train at that time and I, never, I fully remember leading up to the game but I know there was we were in probably late enough so we were luckily enough we weren't there for the hard training at the start of the year but we were in and um, I remember coming up to the game we, there was um, Peter Peter McDonald is it Peter McDonald? Yeah Peter McDonald. Pe- yeah, Peter McDonald was in the week of that game. He came in and he just, I don't know what it was. He he came in with Fitzroy, gave an awful lift, like a, just of, of belief in, brought such a belief to the team. I don't know what it was, the way he spoke or something, but he, he just brought a massive belief into it. And going into the game too, I wouldn't say we were, they were massively, massively confident going into the game, but there was an air of like, like you definitely get this job done, like without being overly confident, I think, especially because like you had to look at the Calaire team. There's some notable players there, like in players I think that would have done it for them for a fair while. So, but we so, definitely there was confidence. So there McDonald, McDonald like, comes in that week of the game. I'm pretty. He was. He was there a little bit before that, but he wouldn't been there all week. Like say leading up before that, he might have been there on one night a week and then the week of that game I'm 90% sure he was there all week that week right because building up to it and you're just looking back and then reports on it like things weren't that good in the camp like a couple of yeah, players funny. left and you're that. saying saying I, I as I said I, we weren't there earlier on I think we because we were playing I was at 21s I think at the time and then the juniors was a bit later, so we kind of missed all that, I guess. And we came in at a time when things were good, and maybe yeah. I don't know whether I can't remember now if lads dropped off to maybe why we came in, but I, th- I would actually think we came in more so to make up for the um, fifteen on fifteen, fifteen on fifteen, yeah. And we were we kind of were going to just slot into the whole other things, and we kind of he brought us along with everything, like. Yeah, that's but, what, um, yeah, Fitz was good at that. He, we, nev- we were never there for that um, negative side of it at all. I didn't see it at all whatsoever leading into the game. Yeah, it's funny because being in kind of around the camp, Fitz, like, he would have built, like, there was serious crack at that time. Yeah, I tell you, I don't know about Fitz, but he's he's a great man. Like, if you get talking to Fitz, about, like, say that time, even myself, like, you're mad. Like, I was 
in my own little battle probably in my head to say I'd love to get in this squad like yeah. just get named on the list like and I'm sure other lads I'd say that were on the bench or whoever they were battling to get onto the team or get off the bench and all the rest of it but he, he was a great man to fill you full of confidence I'll tell you like he, after talking to him about the game or where you're at he'd make you walk out feeling 10 feet tall like he'd think you could take on the world after talking to him like yeah. Like and I mean you're not even in a squad, like he'd make you think that you're gonna be fucking nearly playing, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like maybe maybe that's what it was. It was just it was kind of the perfect mix of everything, like the do or die nature of championship fits was just enthusiasm and crack. You get the you get the game over you get the, the game over the belt, the dirty diesel like Podrick says. And then like everyone loved Nav it was a beautiful day, like Nicholas said. I remember that it was a beautiful day. Um and it was it was full of Kadair people. Like I That's know, right. Yeah. You know, and they were they were coming, they were like a juggernaut. They thought they were gonna do everything like with with Magini over them. Magini, although he was there the year before, didn't they were bet by Wicklow. Magini never won a champion Leinster championship match with Kildare, I don't think. I think you're right there as well, yeah. Yeah, you only won qualifiers. Yeah, it's funny that I never won the the championship though. Uh, like they got to the Leinster final in 09 didn't they no they were bet by Wicklow the first round or was it 08 when Dublin beat them no am I wrong in saying that <laughs> I think I think they never won a Leinster championship game but they won games a lot of games in the back door yeah no okay. I think I think I think what it is he, he never lost a qualifier game he never lost a qualifier game with them I am yeah no I'd say an area fairly right but I don't think he won a Leinster, Leinster game with them Sorry. Anyway, anyway. Well, I'll, che- I'll check it. You you keep talking there, because. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, as as you were saying, yeah, the, the game perfect day for football. It was it was lovely lovely conditions. It wasn't even too hot, and uh, yeah, Navin Navin as we said, think, nice pitch. <laughs> I think as well going into the game with um, with Geezer or McGinney being over them, there was a big expectation his second year as well in charge of them to be like like super prepared. Like like you can imagine what McGinney himself would have been like playing. Like you would have been yeah. super prepared. You were expecting the team to be more physical than they were the year before and you're expecting to be like prepared and have absolutely all the homework done and no no stone untorn. Like and I don't know whether it kind of left loud in a place where they had nothing really to lose because they didn't really, like, they weren't expected to win. No one really backed them. So, like, yeah. there was nothing. So they just had, just went out and played, really, like. Yeah, I'd say, all right, Pods, I'd say Calera kind of took loud a, a little bit for granted, all right. I have, I have yeah, a hearing. Yeah, exactly. They, 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 they would have won games on them again. Yeah, they won, yeah, they won, they won the following game against Wicklow. Maybe that's all, was it? Maybe he hadn't won a Leinster game up until that point. But then, and, yeah. and we mentioned Peter McDonald there. McDonald was from the same club as Giza. That's right, yeah. He's yeah, not about brother. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
you know, so de- definitely a good coach and a manager. It was yeah. a great man to bring in to the loud set up at the time himself. And wasn't McIniff involved yeah. as well? Yeah, in, As a kind of a consultant capacity. I think Mac- yeah, I think McIniff was in, involved yeah. after that. I don't think he was right. involved much before that. No, I, I think he came so. in before yeah. the Westmead game. I might be wrong, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was when we pretty much, I think, it was when we hit Crow Park because I think we played Westmead in Crow Park, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, I um, think yeah, McInniff comes in later on, and uh, like that's one thing about Fitzer as well. He's a great man to delegate. Like he's no problem getting yeah. his lads in. Yeah, he's very good at that. Um, and you're saying with the coaches McGinn had, and it was funny. He had a work. work was the coach for Kildare uh, at that time, and he must have liked what you seen that day because he was over loud. <laughs> then a few years later. Honestly, but uh, yeah. yeah, so it's mad just how it's all uh, tied together. To the the X uh, the XRMR ticket as well, the All Ireland winners. But you yeah. have, you had the teams there in front of you, Nicholas. Uh, yeah, well, sure. In goal, um, Galley was in Nets. Then, um, sorry, then it was McGauley, brand new, fresh face in uh, cornerback, Desi Finnegan, Ronan Green, then Razor, Mick Fan, and John O'Brien. Paddy Keenan and Brian White in the middle, uh, Andy McDonald, Mark Brennan, and Rido on the half forward lane, and then uh, Colin Judge, Shane Lennon, and JP in the full forward lane. And do you want the Kildare team as well? Yeah, call it out for everyone, yeah. Uh, so Shane McCormick and Golds, then Hugh McGrillan, Gary White, and Emma Bolton, Morgan O'Flaherty, Brian Flanagan, and Keith Cribben in the half back lane, midfield of Daryl Flynn and David White. Then half forwards James Cavanagh, John Dial, and Ronan Sweeney, and then the full forwards Alan Smith, Patrick O'Neill, and top of the left Eamon Callahan. Like that, that, like that was a solid team. Two solid teams if you look at them. Yeah. Uh, like and they look very solid team. Like it was in a way though, but you see that Kildare team though too. I don't know the way. I think the way they lined out suited us. Oh, definitely. In terms yeah. of Eamon Callahan came out, I think around right the middle of that time. Which, yeah. which left us being able to basically play, play orthodox. like. And you look at their half-forward line of James Kavanagh, Johnny Doyle and Roland Sweeney, which wouldn't be all that mobile. like. No, no. Like, well, well, Doyle no, would have been but, seen as mobile. Uh, Doyle would have been. Doyle would have been more mobile, but he was he was well-marshaled on the day. Sweeney was really I never seen him. Deal, though, wouldn't he? Yeah. He'd be a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, I remember him playing against Cullen in 2002 in the Leinster Club yeah. with Murfield. He was a monster after that. And Kavanagh yeah. was really a score and half forward, so they're kind of gone from the game now. Yeah. Like like Johnny Dyle was Johnny Dyle on the 40, but Kavanagh wouldn't fit into a team now because your number 10 and 12 are meant to be up and down, working back, really. There are more workers now than there would have been back. Back then, it was nearly the end of that year or so. We had workers even before that time with Adrian and Andy on the wings. But them boys worked their socks off. Oh, definitely. But who was the better John Dyle? John Dyle from Togo or John Dyle from Allenwood? What do you expect us to say, Daniel? I want the truth. I want the right answer. John Dyle from Togo. Who else? But it actually worked out as well with John Dyle going on the 40. It actually suited us right down to the ground for, for Mick Fanning as a centre half because Mick wasn't he wasn't nearly a sweeping centre half or distributor he was more of a the man marking centre back yeah. so it actually worked out perfectly dial on us dial on Mick Mick on dial I should say 
And uh, Craig Lynch actually got in touch with me during the week on the Instagram page. And Craig remembers, uh, I think Nick was on a physical performance. Uh, he, he was laughing about the good old days. He, his outstanding memory was, well, Craig is another one. I'll get to that one in a minute. But it's uh, Mick Fanning just actually sitting on John Dial. No bad, yeah, man. I, I remember. Um, I remember Fanning. He uh, he marked him. He marked him kind of out of it that day. Doyle was uh, nullified, and uh, as you say, yeah, Doyle being on the fourth, he kind of suited him. I remember Claire played later on in the championship, and I think it was in the semi final against Down. And Doyle went out to the middle of the field, and if you had it on that with Fanning, like just it could have it would have just changed. Could have been different, different story, but. Yeah, Bannon did well on him that day. I like remember, Dyer, I don't remember him sitting on the door. He went on to be top scorer in the championship. Yeah, he did, Jim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. he did phenom- like a phenomenal job on him. Like for like for someone for so such experience, like even at that time of Johnny Dial and Mick Fannin just completely took him out of the game. Like even in points where like Kildare really needs him, like Mick Fannin was just a pest like. Ridiculous. And that's, and with, that's what you want on him. You want to pest on him. And, and with that as well, you mentioned it there, or one of you has mentioned, Eamon Callaghan coming out the middle of the field. Like, Callaghan... Which... Um, Callaghan was picked up by Eamon McGauley, who had just come on, come into the team. And McGauley will be known from the pastry as like a half-forward, half-back, like serious fitness and driving around the field and up the wings. So Callaghan comes out the field, he's 15... McGauley's wearing two on the day. He picks up Eamon Callaghan and has an absolute revelation of a game. That they had a hell of a summer, in fairness to Eamon. Yeah, yeah like, he did. He came from nowhere, really. Yeah, yeah he, he came from nowhere for the county. Like, if you're around the club, everyone knew about him. The PRC, did they lose the last two intermediate finals? Oh, but he was, he, he, was, he, he was the main man for them. And, yeah, he... He came into the team and it was his first year. He had no fear. He had no fear, no baggage, no nothing. Just went out and attacked every ball. Hell for well, leather. Was it? And going out to the middle, as you say, suited him. Because that's what he really was. He was a middle third player more so than a cornerback. Yeah, it worked out well. Like, cause imagine if he imagine it was if he was in the other corner left, Mark and Alan Smith at the time. Like, It would have been a completely different ball game from some... He probably wouldn't... I'm I not sure. It was one of his first games playing with Loud. Like... Imagine your first game in and he is stuck in cornerback, Mark and Alan Smith. But he just, it was probably just so, just fell from lovey that he was in around the middle and not as much pressure on there in the middle. Like, if you no. do lose a ball around the middle, it's, oh, what about it? Like, or even in the middle, it's so much easier to do that simple thing around the middle is they get the ball all laid off when you, especially when you have Brian White or Paddy Keane in there, they'll, they'll spray the ball in for you. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a fullback. Football and fullbacks dream if you get to go out to the middle because you're like, well, I can show you what, I, what I'm fit for now, you know. Like, and it's as you said, it suited him down to the ground because he was fit to run and make, make stuff happen because that was his game with Napierce. He was an all action player, he wasn't like a man marking player, but he was just that fit and fast. That's the position he was in. I'm going to show you something now, actually. Just I, I forgot to mention it with, with the. Like the, I think McGinney had this hype around him, and like he was doing everything like exceptional. He was trying to push the boat. He was spending a lot of money on getting the team prepared, and then the the Kildare team do this before the game. Don't you remember that? 
Oh, I don't, I don't remember. I vaguely do remember them doing it in the corner, actually. It was down the corner they did it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on the terrace before the game. I, actually, I have the photo. I'll post it up on Twitter or Instagram. It's the Kildare team taking a knee. And it looks like 15 of them are taking a piss at the same time. <laughs> it's actually, they're taking a knee and McGinney's standing over them. I think he might have done it in the warm-up as well. That uh, he took the backs in one knee and he just looked fucking ridiculous at the time. And he just thought, ah, oh, they're trying to be too smart here. They're over yeah. And it just played in their hands completely. And, and a bit like Fitz, Fitz would have that look. Mick, Mick goes on John Doyle, Eamon McGauley comes out the field. We have a hard working kind of half forward line, like you say, that's worked hard. And there was no, there was no sweeper back then either. You know, you had that kind of open football as well where you could just attack. And we, we had a lot of good scoring forwards. And um, But uh, I, I, have to, I have to have an admission. Um, I, 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 was, I suppose it was uh, me and Wadler, he, he was a friend of mine. And he, uh, he was on to me during the week about the memories as well. And he says I lost him a lot of money that day. We, we, did, we lost an awful lot of money that day. Because like I said, my me, me experiences before the game, my confidence wasn't high. This is long before I was loud and proud and, and loud and positive. I, I actually was probably loud and negative back then. I, uh, I thought I thought Kildare would win, but the bet was that uh, I think it must be, it was definitely Alan Smith. It was two forwards for Kildare. I think it was Alan Smith and probably Padraig O'Neill to outscore Shane Lennon. They are Shane. I know you're, you're going to be listening to this. To outscore Shane Lennon and Colm Judge. And I knew fairly rapidly that the bet wasn't going to fucking pay off, and I lost. Yeah, I lost small fortune. And Wilder still reminds me because I got him to do the bet as well. I remember saying it was absolute easy money, uh, but it didn't turn out that way because we got off to an absolute. We just scorched into the game. Yes, they. Oh, sorry, Paul. Yeah, they took off like a house on fire. They in the first half, especially like then they. They went, what was it, 4-1 four, four, or something like that. Yeah. 5-1. And then Kildare came back and they got the goal and you're thinking, fuck it. It's it classic, same old, same old. They'll uh, throw it away here. But they didn't. They, they, they gained their composure, got a couple of frees or whatever, and then they tacked on a half more points before half-time and it was like they were well in front of half-time. But yeah, they... They flew out of the blocks, absolutely flew out of the blocks. The boys in the full forward line, Judge Lennon and Rooney, like they, I'd say they kicked foot, not many wides that day. Um, they were all on fire, <laughs> all of them. And you um, see, that even on the bench for uh, Kildare, Peter Kelly. I don't know, Anthony Rainbow was still on the bench back then as well. But Peter Kelly was on the bench. He got an all star that year. Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. That, but yeah, I'd say Kildare kind of shuffled the pack a little bit. Like, uh, I'd say that was Kildare's dirty diesel game, I suppose. They they lost loud and then they went in the run in the qualifiers and got to the semi final. But uh, yeah, Kelly got the all star all right. I think there was there was a few changes uh, McGinney made after that. Yeah. Like between the three lads, uh, Judge Lennon and JP got uh, eleven points. And I'd say Colin might have only kicked about two frees, I think, which nine points from play for a full forward line. So, like that's unheard of now. And yeah. But like Patrick said, like they were flying five one, playing brilliant football, and then like there was a Patrick O'Neill got a handy enough point that nearly could have been a goal. I remember that, and then for 
for the goal he actually got, Loud were coming out and kind of hit the self-destruct button, and then you're, it was level, and you're like, oh Jesus, as po- and kind of like. But in fairness, they regrouped quickly. The, I, I can't remember exactly, but I'd say they got the next score because it was a ten to one three at one stage. You know, yeah, like the you know, and that was very important that the that they didn't let the goal knock that confidence from the good start. And then I think it was fourteen to one nine and a half time, but like really for the all for the good football they played, again you'd be a little bit worried. You were thinking we really should be further ahead, you know. Like, what were you thinking, Podge, on that? Yeah, I I I, I agree. I remember that time when we were um, five one up and they got the goal. It was a lovely little ball inside by James Cavanagh. Just really clever thing to do and. You you know yourself by looking back in loud games that we could easily just like fold from there and here we go there take over and but it was just I don't know what it was that we just I think we got the grips I think we were on top in the middle of the field at that that time like White and and Paddy Keenan were just phenomenal in the middle like there wasn't very if they didn't win it there was very little um, clean ball won by the Kildare like and and we'd great like great boys around the ground and like with with Ray John O'Brien. Adrian and Andy like getting that dirty ball, like these, like we won everything there. Like. Mark, but, um, well, I think I remember, yeah, Mark as well. Sorry, Mark as well getting around as well. But um, I, I do remember then going in at at half time. We were five points up, I think, at half half time. Like, and what I, I just always put hairs in the back of my neck just thinking about this time I remember we went in a half time and um, Fitzo was there of positivity as he always is and he's like well done lads kind of keep going as you will and then Peter Peter um, what's his name again Peter McDonald I'll, I'll, I'll never forget him he stood up on the bench and everyone was just fixated on it he's like Lad, you have a chance now What I, I don't fully 100% exactly what he said Whatever you do, any inkling in you to take an extra bounce, to take an extra solo, to take that five seconds out of the ball, don't do it. Don't do it. Keep doing what we're doing. Keep doing the same, the, the same thing. And you're going to have to work twice as hard as you like, have in the first half. And he just drilled it into everyone at that stage. It's like basically just saying, don't F it up. Like. And, but in a confidence way to say, boys, if you just keep playing like this, there's absolutely no reason why you can't blow these guys out of the water. Like, and walking out of the dressing draft time, like, there was, like, in my head, like, thinking, I was like, if these boys going on to pitch, there's no chance they're going to lose this game. Like, it was just phenomenal. Like, Yeah, and they started well then, they started the second half. But White's are, Brian White kicked six points on the day. And I know Paddy Keane got an all-star this year. Um, but that was peak Brian White, wasn't it? Laid around the middle of the field. Um, yeah. Uh, White White uh, had a brilliant game that day, and uh, I suppose Keenan Keenan was the perfect file from because Keenan did the grafting, and White could play. White played the ball like it allowed White to play football, and the Fitzer had them or a Fitzer and all the coaches or whatever had them phenomenally fit and they were flying fit that day and uh, White was just able to keep running and keep out of trouble and then he was playing like an extra forward he could get forward and tack on the points like his kicking technique is excellent like second to none in loud nearly and uh, 
like just yeah, being being with Keenan, Keenan did the graft, and even Nicholas, you said that uh, Paul O'Neill got a point in the first half, yeah, and he he was running in through and thing, but even he was running and running, and he fists it over, and just after he fists it over, Keenan just go over and shoulders him over over the sideline almost, and like just that. I'm go- uh, that attitude that Keenan had. That, like I'm going to be here no matter what. I'm going to chase you down. I'm never going to give up. And like just it put it Kildare lads thinking in the back of their head that like yeah I was right to take me point and not go for the goal. It but was, um, it was kind of Keenan's time at that time. It was before the sweepers came in. Before Jim McInerney more or Jim uh, McGinnis changed the game in 2011. Yeah, like but Keenan was kind of doing a sweeping job in the middle of the field. He would always be the extra defender. Ah, so Keenan had the legs. He was always like when when you were going to watch Loud play back then, like it was guaranteed walk rate. Like he was unreal in fairness to him. And it's only nearly when he stopped playing with Loud, you're kind of like, oh god, like we really do miss this man. But you appreciate him when he was there. Like he was like a midfielder sweeper. He was yeah. getting forward, taking scores. Like, he was everywhere. Like, the man had... God, he had a great engine in him. And he was a good footballer as well. And it, it, White, White, that was probably White's best year out loud, too. And it's hard to believe when you think about it. I'd say White didn't even play in midfield for Cooley then. Like, White was always in the forwards. Like, it was, it, it was great thinking to put him in the middle because it meant he wasn't man-marked and had the space to... to to deliver good balls in because he was capable of that. Whereas with, like, you know, he wasn't a physical midfield player. He battled it all right, but he wasn't the man that was going to, like, throw lads out of his way. Like, that was Keenan was the more physical of the two. And even Keenan himself at the time wouldn't have been a big man in midfield or standards. But if White was able to get on the ball, he could deliver good ball and sure. Who better men to deliver into than Judge Lennon and JP, like, you know, with McDonald and Rado and Brennan coming off them. Like, it, it worked quite well. And I suppose a year later, that probably wouldn't have worked at all with no. Mr. McGuinness's fucking ruination of football. But, <laughs> like, you know, it was a bit more innocent. Even though Tyrone did, did have savage work rate and stuff back then, like, it was a bit more innocent and free-flowing football. And it suited White in the middle, definitely. And uh, do you, who wants to talk with Ray's goal? A bit of quick thinking. Uh, yeah. I remember the goal. Like it was after half time again, and um, Kildare were clawing the way back. They got back to two points, and Razor bullet into the top corner. Classic Razor fashion. Didn't do it the easy way. Had nearly a lad hanging off him. Had to throw him off him and then bury it. But uh, yeah, Razor another great loud servant. Like. Jesus give everything to the cause and it was all all or nothing but it was it was it was probably the best goal that he ever scored. But yeah, top top corner, like if, if anyone sees the video, it's just a savage finish. Yeah, it's so, so even with his goal as well, you like Mark Brennan quick thinking at that time as well. Like as you think like Definitely. at that time in the game, like they were clawed back to where we were, they were within two points of us. Like in Mark got Probably got a free kick there, scorable free for Brian White, like inside fifty, and it's that's kind of a Mark T- Brandon thing to do is just like quick yeah. think, seize an opportunity, just take it like that. You know what I mean? Like anyone else would have said, no, 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 we'll tap it over, we'll be three points ahead, we'll be happy enough to cruise along. But yeah, as I says, Mark, just take the chance, and it all it all worked out. Like 
Yeah, so Mark, Mark Brennan always had that natural ability to see things like that. Like, that's what made him special for Loud and Cullen. Like, he's just a good natural player with a good head to see things happening before it happened, you know. And sure, the goal kind of sums up Ray's career with Loud. Like, great determination and a good bit of quality dollop on top. Like, you know, like I know lads that Ray, at, the t- at around that time, Razor was their favourite player just because yeah. he was just all action, all never that. said die. God, he'd run through a wall for you. And, like, not an imposing man, but, my God, the great determination in the man, you know. But I love the the, the highlight thing there. You can see it. The, in the, I'll add that on the link as well, the YouTube clip. But I love the way the ball just hits with his left foot and the, ang- the camera angle behind the goals just shows a lovely flight yeah. of ball nestling in the net. Yeah. But he, yeah, he was he was classy footballer, and like you say, no Jim again, no Jim again. His tactics and it kind of it's that lovely old sort of nostalgic way. Ga, we we let them back into it, we come back into it, and it, it kind of ebbs and flows that way. And you kind of think, oh fuck, we're gonna let them back into it, but we don't. Yeah, no, definitely. Like it, that's what made the game so good. Like in fairness to Kildare, they scored one sixteen as well. Like. Loud were quite open at the back, so like it made it a great entertaining game end to end. Like your typical championship encounter, you know, uh, just plenty of good scoring throughout, and no, not like, like there was work rate and lads were working hard, but there was wasn't like two sweepers sitting in front of the full back line just clogging up everything. But that element of oh, what's going to happen next? Well, like Loud found it hard to close the game out. Oh, and Craig Lynch rattled his head off the, the dugout in... in uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I was sitting beside him, I remember that. He jumped up when Ray hit the net, and being crouched, he probably didn't realise he was as tall as he was, and he cracked his head off the top of it. Um, but yeah, like we, couldn't, we couldn't really close the game out, and then we weren't overly hanging on either, because we didn't... We, like, look, like if, if it was down to two... Like, it kind of like it worked out well that we weren't really fearful of Kildare. They weren't really prolific scorers that could punish us. Smith had a bad day and a lot of costly money. But in general, Kildare were known for kicking wides uh, and not, not punishing loud. So it meant the gap was five points coming down the stretch. And that wasn't like it's not an every lead, a five point lead. No. They couldn't yeah. get the momentum on us to punish us. And then, just looking at the video, I didn't remember this at the time, uh, Andy McDonald kicks the last two points of the game, but it's the first one, the, the second last point of Loud's game, the 21st point, was uh, in the 60th minute, and uh, the 22nd point is, is, ten, is 10 minutes later. Yeah, I know. Of the clock. That, all right. Yeah, Andy got two, uh, two, two savage points then. That game, that game, I suppose, it was Andy's coming of age as a Loud player. He... Uh, he he covered some ground. He was just he was on the wing and up and down all day. And should he was fit as a fiddle. Uh, but yeah, that last score I remember in particular. He uh, showed he showed a clean pair of heels. Um, to was it Flanagan the Calero, uh, Calero centre half. Yeah, it was great to see cause Flanagan was an old dirty old player. Great yeah. to see him getting skinned. To be honest with you, and uh, I remember yeah, I got a massive cheer after. That last point because it was just yeah. it was just the, the cherry on top of the ice and on top of the cake and it, it sickened the Calair Calair supporters who were who were there in numbers and they were cocky and thought they were going to walk all over us and did. But a couple of things with Andy there, 
and it probably shows how much the game has changed. Like he was so light in that video. Yeah, he's yeah. very. Yeah, you yeah. see him actually. You see him in that video, like, and even like he, nowadays, have you seen Andy going the, at this how light he was going into it into a tackle like that with someone who was so much more probably bigger than him at the time? Like you'd think, oh no, here's a turnover. But I don't know, whatever way Andy just had just shrugged him off and powered past him like just the pace he had to get past him that time like it's yeah it, he just it was brilliant skill by Andy the way he just drove on and then just lashed it over the bar like uh, he was he was wiry and he was still strong as well though like I remember him playing against us with the Falcons back then and they, they sometimes used to play him in the middle of the like I don't know if he had switched to the Blues by 2010 but before that he uh he used to play, play him around the middle, and God, he could run and run and run and run. Like, sure, I think his mum was a cross country champion, and his father, like, sure, was a speedster as well. Like, he had good genes, you know. And God, as Patrick said, that was his coming of age, and he really did. The Navin, the fast ground suited him, and he just kept going and going and going. Um, it was great to see two young lads like that coming through and kicking. I think he uh, kicked three points, I think. So, no, it was uh, great to see. Have it here. Yeah, he kicked three points. Um, Mark Brennan got a point, and Adrian, Adrian Reid got I remember him talking to me after the game. He got his... Uh, that was his first point in championship. That one. Right. And I remember then, all the loud lads came in. Well, a couple of them came in. Uh, when Mark and Mark and Adrian came into the pub, we went into a flatterties. It's now, I think it's now gone... But that used to be the routine. You go to a Flaherty's and then walk up to Nav in the Park Talton. And I remember the boys coming in and saying, oh, Bannon's out to lose them a load of money. And they were like, why? What was the bet? And I had to fucking tell them the bet. I had to tell Mark and Adrian. <laughs> I, I remember uh, Brenner was pointing the first half. He, uh, it, was, it was right in front of us where we were standing. We were on the terrace. And geez, he kicked it awful high. And it ball it's snow on it. And and it still went over, and it was just I don't know what was the length of time it was in the air or whatever, but a massive cheer got a huge cheer from the loud crowd. It was it, it was a good point, like and, and like it was it wasn't one of the other three lads who scored it, though it was uh, yeah. But, a good point with him. You know, another thing we didn't really mention much, like shit, the full forward line. Like I know we said them earlier. Like I'd say that was one of Lennon's best games for loud too. He was on fire that day. And even when you look at some of the videos, he's laying the ball off for a few scores as well. Like um, he he that year as well was nearly his peak too because he suffered a lot of injuries after that. Yeah. And like God, he was a great target man. Like I remember lads used to say when he was younger, he might have been only five foot eight or nine, and then all of a sudden he sprung up and grew and gained a few stone, and he turned into a monster. Like. 13, 14 stone, but very mobile, very agile, good scorer, like just brilliant full forward. Um, like it really was, he had a brilliant game with four points from play as well. And I'd say he had three, four, maybe more assists, I'd say. Yeah, he was top class. He was an injury doubt going into what I was reading. Maybe that's where I got my wrong information. But he was solid, like, and then I, I remember I did the 2006 Laird and Tyrone game the Talking Points podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he was injured that day. Mm. So he couldn't play. I actually asked him about afterwards where I was. He was injured. He hurt his thumb. And that yeah. had and Carroll inside. And then, because Aaron High was injured. If if Shane Lennon was fit that day, we would have bet. We would have bet her on. Yeah. Hands down, we would have bet them. Like, even, even you look through all the, for, like, all the forwards, like, 
they were nearly like a really an outstanding player of the generation. Like, the, in yeah. like we haven't even talked about JP Rooney. Like, yeah, and Colm Judge. Like, so the two of them are possibly the best club footballers for the Jocks and the Blues in the last twenty five years. I'd say. Yeah. Like, so look at Colm in the senior final last year. Like, God, he 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 he's completely switched the style of play. But the man just doesn't want to lose. Like, yeah. and and then even you look at John O'Brien. Um, we, we mentioned Ray Finnegan, yeah. who's a uh, who's probably a cult hero. The um, Desia fullback, his brother, McGauley of the game was live. Ronan Green was still knocking about as well. It was quite good. And but John O'Brien gets an All Star nomination too. Like he was, uh, he did a serious game against Dublin. Yeah, yeah. he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. O'Brien was a class footballer. Like even lo- looking through the list of all players, like they're still nearly all mainstays with the clubs. Clubs that they yeah. play for. That's yeah. ten years. Ten years on, like it's madness. I don't know whether it says. What it says about loud football, but or what it says about the players, but yeah, they, yeah, I remember O'Brien. O'Brien had a great year that year. I was, he was another class player for loud, um, just always do a job. He could, he could do a job as a wing back going forward attacking, or you could stick him in the corner and do a man marking job, yeah. and he'd be, he'd stick to his man. So and he just do whatever task he was asked. But um, yeah, it, for, from that game in the in the Kildare game, I remember, as you say, there was a big period where there was no score. I remember there was a big, it was a battle around the middle middle third, and Loud kind of came out on top of it. And uh, they, they, they just won the scrappy ball. They didn't let Kildare score. Like, Loud didn't score uh, much in that period either. But I just remember they, they kind of came out on top uh, uh, against Kildare in that, at that stage of the game. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, it was it was, and then I suppose we you want to talk about Paul, don't you? The 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 celebrations and the style icon that was Fitzer at that time. Oh yeah, Fitzer, yeah, the, the, your man eh, that you had on for the the leash podcast. You'd love Fitzer style in this. He, the white shorts on and the white top on, like a tennis player. Uh, uh, I don't know. It was a uh, it was a unique style, I suppose as you could say, but um, yeah, he, he upgraded for the semi-final, he got a bit of navy in there as well to make it a bit more easier on the eye, but uh, look, nobody cared. Loud, loud had won, and uh, were, everyone was happy out. He was, you could see him lapping about the place after the game. Um, oh, sure, look, it fits our enthusiasm, Trump style every time, I'd say. Like, <laughs> the, the, um, sure, in fairness to the man, and sure he's chairman of the county board now, it's funny how things work out. Like, he always had that good streak to see the best in people. He always did that. And even, like, sure, the man is a fitness fanatic. Like, he ran the Andy Gass in 10K last year, and he flipping bet me. I don't know, did he beat you, Pudge? Yeah, he, he, 38 minutes he ran it in. 38, or something like that, yeah. You know, so, no, credit or credit's due. Like, that, that was his baby too in fairness I remember him he used to do a lot of running coaching with a club in Dundalk I think it was St. Gerald's years ago and he always um, had was big into fitness so even when he was playing he played it loud 20 odd years I would say you know so oh and like look uh, some people often I, you'd often hear people say he had a bit of luck but you need a bit of luck too with things uh, it's just pity it didn't work out then later on in 2010 but maybe we don't want to mention that too much no, we won't. We won't. We won't mention the war. But I think that's why Mac and Mac uh, McGauley gets in because of his fitness. Fitter, like like you said, yeah. we're sorry for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Probably weren't fit enough. Yeah, obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> them ragweeds above his slagging. That's what killed him. 
I can't I can't really talk but uh, yeah. but he went on then we, he, uh, yeah we did we went on to beat Westmead the, ne- the next the next the next year but it was it was it was even a good time to even go to loud games no it was because I was younger I was at that age of going and having the points and going but I I feel like that has been taken away without saying like too much of an old man talk about the older the older years. Loud football was it wasn't a good enough place back then. Like they had a, they had a good solid team, but the the twenty ones only lost to Dublin earlier in the year, and Dublin went one on and won the All Ireland. And there's a good lot of the twenty ones uh, around the panel. And then they lost an the, extra time that year, I think. Possibly yeah. actually, we we drew with them, and then actually the funny story they had they're only allowed to have twenty six, I think, on the on their panel, and they ended up having twenty seven. And that number twenty seven, I think, was. Was it David Bourne or someone? They had someone anyway, and he came on in extra time, and he kicked a ticket with five points. Was he only about us by a point or two, I think, that um, time. Yeah, and the, there was, was tw- tw- the 21s were going well, and then the juniors the juniors were playing the following Wednesday as well, and they went on one Leinster, and they'd only won Leinster the year before as well. So, like, uh, as the, the, the general level of around loud football or the general feeling was that solid were good and it was people like you'd, you'd have a bit of confidence going to you'd, uh, games back then against uh, bigger teams like Kaleo but it was more fun at all, like, you know it would even it wasn't that serious you know Fitzer wasn't that like he was he, good crackers I remember what was the point he asked me he, he asked you to tell me to come along to train was it that's the way it was yeah, you are like yeah. I remember he was. I don't know what game was going. I think was it the quarter final, the semi final, the Leinster, and yeah. we were just he was talking to me, or whatever. And he was like, "Oh yeah, there's a spot there for your brother. Tell him to come down to train. We need them. Um, we need we need another midfielder. Will you tell him to come down?" Like I didn't know whether I didn't know what way to bring it up to you because I t- I thought you thought I was taking the piss at you. But um, he was decided then, yeah, and you, you were you were there, and you were on the squad and on the programs. So. But, but even with with that, it was like McInerney had gone the year before, and it was a kind of a, a general layer of authority within, and and then Twitter comes in, and he still, you know, the way you have that new manager bounce, but you still yeah. have. You still let, let, let's seem to get that bounce a lot though. When a new manager comes in, it's nearly always their best year. Like in other counties, they seem to build on it. Whereas we seem to do the opposite. Like even Amy McEnany and his first year sort of won that Division Two league. Uh, like in fairness to McEnany, he had a lot of the team were there from his reign, and he had set a good foundation in place, and he had a good standard in terms of training and preparation. Like Fritz would have been a breath of fresh air, but. You have to give a bit of credit to McEnany. He mightn't have just got the luck he needed. Like, I know he won Division 2 in 2006, but he probably could have won more if he had to get a bit more luck. Like, he definitely brought things on from the Val Andrews era, and before that was Paddy Carr and Paddy Clark. That's too far beyond that. But, like, um, the first year bounce was a big thing with Fitzer then after that period of kind of stability and structure and that, definitely. It was the perfect storm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Nick. Uh, McNaney did put a solid foundation in place, and fits are fits are added to it. So it, it's it's never just uh, the one the one manager changed everything. It's building on what you've learned over the years. On keep building, keep building on what you're learning. Never never stop uh, adding to what you already know. You couldn't really good night out and having that night. Did you go out that night, Nicholas? 
No, I can't remember what I did uh, after. I don't know if it, I probably went out and drawed or something. I, do, I didn't stay in Nav. We would have headed home and then maybe went out. I can't remember. Did the team go out punched? Yeah, oh, well, I think we kind of got I think got split up that time. I think um, I, I know I went to Nav and with, I was with Mark and Adrian and them boys. And I think a couple of the monster boys lads. I think maybe Mick Fanning and Crouchy might have been in. Yeah. having that night as well and maybe JP but I, I, I don't think we all went out together that time um, what, what was it like in the dressing room after was, I'm sure it was feckin', ah, sure just it was everyone was yeah everyone was delighted like but at the same time it was a bit like especially because like we had Westmead next like and we never really feared Westmead like and it was more like well done lads but like this is the first game like let's 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 keep driving on you know what I mean it wasn't actually that much of a like of course it was straight away after the game but it, like it wasn't over the top celebrating as if we won a Leinster or anything like which is probably showed common sense too you know yeah 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 ah well yeah we big wins they have to be celebrated as well and uh, yeah 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 like just don't go over don't go nuts <laughs> Yeah, different times, different times. I had their eyes further down the road, in fairness. There's a bit of maturity in the group, too. Like, I'd say when they got over Kildare, like, sure, everyone kind of in the county could see, well, this is the best chance to get to a Leinster final in 50 years. Like, so I'd say anyone with a bit of cop on in the dressing room could, would, would have realised that. They got there, they did. But we, we won't talk, maybe we might leave that for another day. We might come back to that another day. It's just, it's still on 10, nearly 10 years on, still a little bit too raw. <laughs> Good talk about. But um, th- thanks yeah. for listening, lads. Thanks for getting us. Thanks for getting us through another weekend of COVID quarantine. No bother. Pass it. No problem, all. Happy to help out. No bother at all. No predictions this time. <laughs> Thank God. Fitz did a great job as the chairman. That's my prediction. Good to get to fix the football too. Once a weekend. Yeah. Is the, the highlight of the weekend here? The game, the game was on RT as well, um, and yeah. I think it, it, it made people uh, notice that Loud were a good team. Like um, I, 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 I couldn't find the recording of it on, that on YouTube. There's only the highlights, but uh, Loud was one of the best to play it, and it being on telly, it was great to highlight that the were how good the were. Great to show show everybody around the country how good the were. We were full value, weren't we, when we went to RT? <laughs> we were, yeah, Tyrone as well in 06. That was in mm, Navin as well. Navin as well. as well. And uh, I remember Brawley singing our praises that day. Uh, yeah, yeah. so yeah, we always provided a bit of entertainment on the telly. Definitely. Uh, I think we covered everything. Well, let's just go, lads. Thanks very much. That was the 20, 2010 Lows of their game. Revisited with the Buckleys and my brother, Fudge. Thanks, Daniel. Cheers, Dan. Good luck. Lovely stuff. Cheers, Danny. Top stuff, lads. Top stuff. Well, hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed that show. It's another week quarantine down. I hope we got gets you through it. I'll have another one next Sunday night. So, would you like? Would you, if you wouldn't mind, follow, like, and share on all Loud and Proud social media channels. Keep your memories of that game coming to Instagram, Loud and Proud Instagram. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and SoundCloud. And uh, I suppose yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Mind yourself, and if you can, mind someone else. And well done, Stephen O'Connor, on completing the marathon today. Fair play to you. Dirty diesel. Every twenty wides, every twenty wides, every twenty wides, every twenty wides. Dirty diesel, dirty diesel, dirty diesel.